Hello, it's August 2012. And finally, it's time for the big reunion, big finish podcast. About time too. Hello, um, welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Big Finish is a company that produces Doctor Who audio adventures licensed by the BBC. We also do Stargate and Highlander and Bernice Summerfield and 2000 AD. Greaseless and and Irish Wildside. Yes. And Dark Shadows. And Dark Shadows, very important. Uh, And stuff. I wish you'd said this before. It would have made understanding my job a lot easier. (laughs) I'm Nick Briggs. And sitting next to me is... Oh, I thought you were going to say my name. The I'm is... Paul, I'm Paul Sprague, hello. The uncooperative Paul Sprague, <laughs> legend in his own lunchtime. And next to him... Hello, I'm David Richardson. And together we are quite hot and... <laughs> And a bit tired. <clears throat> so anyway, we haven't had a podcast together. For for those of you who have never heard a Big Finish podcast before, we're we're a team of chaps who are quite jolly. And I thought for, for a second us, there you were going to say buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the rest of you uh, have probably been um, rising in to complain that we're still alive. Right. Uh, and in this podcast, we'll be talking about what's out at the moment from Big Finish. That's August, the August releases. We'll also be mentioning a little bit Unit Dominion, a new box set coming out later. And also uh, Jason Hay-Gallery, my co-executive producer, and I went to Indianapolis at the weekend to go to Gen Con, which is a gamers convention we found amongst the 100,000 people or so. There were some Doctor Who fans, many Doctor Who fans. Um, we'll also be talking a little bit about uh, the lovely Mary Tam and Caroline John, who sadly died very recently. Okay, let us start with uh, the August releases. Black and white. I can't do it in black and white. How do I do it in black and white? This one's made oh, release. It's lucky we're all here again, isn't it? The, the wit level just goes up extraordinarily quickly. Yeah. So I've got a question for you, Nick. Yes. When Alan Barnes came to you and said, I've got this idea for these two TARDISes, we've got a black TARDIS and a white TARDIS and this and that and four companions and this long continuing mm. arc, what did you think? Well, he didn't really say that to me. He just said, uh, you know that bit in Robophobia you wrote about the TARDIS and that person identifying it? Could you say that the TARDIS looks black? Yeah. <laughs> and and have him sort of not be sure whether it's black or blue. And I said, OK, because so, I'm planning something. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of what I do is largely based on trust. And I knew that there, these ideas were sort of uh, emerging. And, yeah, it's all turned into... So I said, get on with it then. Mm. That's what I said, really. Uh. Because it's all turned into something very exciting, I think. I, I mean, know we can't really we can't really say anything, can we? Well, no, we can't. I think quite a few people will have heard Black and White by now. So right. um, certainly, and if they a, haven't, a here's your chance reaction. to avoid the next five minutes of this. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll try and avoid any any spoilers. I mean, I have heard the finished edits of Gods and Monsters, and I, I think the whole build up, the whole arc, is just so 
exciting. It's such a masterstroke by Alan, actually. Because I have to say, when, when I saw it on paper, I wasn't convinced. Right, right. I, I did think, oh, gosh, is, is this going to work? And yet, you know, the, the, when the scripts came in and when we got to studio, suddenly we started realising it was something very special. Brilliant. And everybody bought into that. Trust the Barnes. That's Trust the Barnes, yeah. He, he pulled a masterstroke on this one. So what can we have a clip of relating to this at the moment? I think a little clip from the beginning of uh, the first episode of Black and White. Here we go. Listen, the TARDIS, it worked. Ace, it worked. Hang about, it's black. Something's turned it black. Who cares what colour it is? It's here, isn't it? Okay, we've got to get out of here before this dimension collapses. Uh, Hex. First, close the doors, then I think I can remember the right sequence of switches on the console. This switch first. Hex. What? We're not alone in here. Look. Oh. My. Don't move, either of you. I don't believe it. What are you doing here? Nice to see you too, Miss McShane. I might ask the same question. Yeah? And who's your friend with the gun? Captain, you know these people. Just keep them covered, Private. I'll ask again, shall I? What are you doing here? More to the point. What have you done with the Doctor? Yes, you see. So it's the Seventh Doctor and Ace and Hex and some other people. Yeah, it's quite uh, intriguing. Very worthwhile catching up with this, this latest trilogy. It's very exciting stuff. Yes, yes. I think it does demonstrate that it's it's nice to be surprised more than anything else. Boom! <laughs> ah, brilliant. That didn't work. How come that didn't work? I don't know. But no, yeah. that considering that we've we've gone to such great lengths, as indeed we have done in the past, to yeah. keep bits and pieces of secret. I mean, certainly the, the Eighth Doctor Adventures, we kept certain bits and pieces under wraps as it headed towards its conclusion. And I, th I think it helps. You know, in this world of, of endless spoilers for everything where you can find out so much mm. in advance, it's quite nice to occasionally really well, yeah. send people down the wrong path or surprise them. Or, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's nice, actually, is people haven't been upset by the <clears throat> fact that we've withheld the real covers. I mean, we, we released the black and white cover very late in the day and we will be releasing the Gods and Monsters real cover um, very soon. Or if you're hearing this edited together after we've released it... Um, we did. <laughs> well, that's a fairly obvious uh, statement. I'm a fairly obvious person. <laughs> There's no point being complex, is there? I mean, it's, it's Stephen Moffat was saying the other day at the Asylum of the Daleks screening, he said, honestly, it's better if you don't let people know what's going to happen in advance. Yeah. And yeah. it's true, it does. These kind of stories are all about suspense. And I mean, sometimes yeah. it's fun just to find out how it's well, It's unravels, hard, though, isn't it? Because we're always having that conversation is, you know... You've also got to give people a reason to want exactly. to buy it and, and listen to it, haven't you? So yes, it is. It's a difficult... I always go back to, you know, what Russell T. Davis did with um, the, the last two episodes of Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, where he, he revealed in the trailer for Bad Wolf that the Daleks were in it. And a lot of people went, oh, but, you know, it did... It also created a buzz, you know, mm. the people who said, oh, you've spoiled it for us, because they only turn up at the climax of the episode. And mm. if you watch that episode without knowing Daleks are in it, you'd have no reason to believe they were on their way, you know. Mm. But I think they just had to make this decision, you know, we, we've we got the artillery in this episode, so we have to fire off a few shots beforehand <laughs> so you know it's going to be coming, you know. Yeah. So it is a difficult... Every time, it's all context and specifics, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
That's what else is out this month? We've got the lost stories, the masters of Luxor. Oh yes, finally made after forty-nine years. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> like you've literally been waiting that long. <laughs> well, I don't, don't we here contractually have to use the phrase "long-awaited" every time we mention the masters of I Luxor? I think so. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, so it's been a fat- fascinating journey as they say on that one yes what can you tell us about that when it was when was it first mooted because obviously people at the moment we mentioned the lost stories people must have been talking about that one because it's been released as a script yeah um i mean it was always there I, I think it became very clear that we wanted to make it after farewell great macedon went down so well I and mean, we were all so happy with the way that first doctor box set turned out mm. um and i realized i could just get the same team back across the board on that. I mean, even John Dorney, who was in Farewell Great Macedon script, edited The Masters of Luxor, so everybody who worked on that came back for this. Um, so it was just, it was, yeah, it was just getting everybody back together and, and making it along the same lines, really. Um, and it's, it's also slightly similar to Macedon in, in that it's not, it's not a sort of uplifting story. It's one of those stories that builds with a growing sense of doom. Mm. Um, which is it's, it's kind of my cup of tea, really, because I'm quite a miserable person. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I quite no, like really, a bit really of misery. And Toby Robinson just does such beautiful work. He really knows how to make stuff build. He knows mm. how to make music drive a drama. Yeah, well, he's a very good musician, a yeah. very intelligent and sensitive fellow. He is, he is. So we should have a clip from the Masters of Luxor. Yeah, um, great cover, by the way. I just keep going on about the cover. It's amazing. Is that you. is Alex Mallinson. It is, it yeah, is. He's a genius. Clever Alex. I mean, obviously, completely inarticulate. Why we don't, this is why we don't. And that's interesting, isn't it? I screw it up when I'm saying he's <laughs> inarticulate, uh, which is why we don't have him in the podcast, because he's always, uh, sounds like he's about to say something really interesting and then goes... Yeah. Uh, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, let's have a clip. Suddenly the noise of the siren stopped. The lights in the lift went out altogether. Ian sighed. Why had they been such fools, he asked. It was obvious that the wine had been drugged. We drank it because in the presence of the perfect one, we were expecting the extraordinary. We were hypnotised by the marvel of a mechanical man, the doctor told him. That's as maybe, but we've got to get out of here. We have to find Barbara and Susan. The doctor glared at him tetchily. And how would you propose to do that, young man? We can't budge that door. Ian indicated the transparent wall of the lift, which looked out over the surface of the planet. If we can break through that, then there's not much of a fall to where the shaft joins the mountain. The doctor wasn't convinced. The gravity was only a fraction less than that of the Earth, he reminded Ian. If they broke their legs jumping out, then they wouldn't be of any help to either themselves or Susan and Barbara. We have to do something, Doctor. We can't risk staying here. We've also got a new companion chronicle this month, which is the Uncertainty Principle. Oh, who's that by? Simon Not Geria. You're on fire today. Ah! On fire. Yeah, he might be. Hey. Um, and <laughs> it's Wendy Pasbury is back as Zoe. Yes. And we're carrying on exploring the older Zoe, the Zoe who's got no memories. And <laughs> that sounds a bit worrying, doesn't it? She just sits there going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no memories of her time travelling in the TARDIS. Yeah. And the mysterious company has got evidence that they've that she's appeared in various points in the past, so they're trying to break down her conditioning. Oh, I say, what's going to uh, happen when they do? 
Oh. It's, the Time Lords would be cross about that, so wouldn't they? They're, they're going to be furious. You know, I had to explain in a rather strange, fanish way to Wendy Padbury that uh, I'd say, I said to her, Wendy, I'd like to tell you that you're my favourite, but I've already told Maureen O'Brien she's my favourite. <laughs> so, uh, but you're you're nearly my favourite. Yeah. I've known her for years, so she took it well. I mean, she did leave quite soon after that. Maybe, yeah. maybe I, maybe that was ill-judged. Clip. Yes, please. Clip. <laughs> Miss Harriet, how are you feeling? Hello, Jen. Didn't think I'd see you again. You thought you'd sent me to my death. I hoped you were going to help me. What's that? Aspirin. Water. Oh, thank you. Any better? It's not a migraine. My head is all full of images and noise, people I don't even know. We punched a hole in whatever's keeping back your memories. And now they're flooding out. But it's all random moments, feelings, beings made of crystal. The time I met the Daleks. With time, you'll build a narrative out of the pieces. Like putting together a jigsaw. <laughs> if I live that long. I've made a formal disclosure of your allegations. The evidence is with the senior court. You think they'll look at it? They're required to make an assessment. I won't lie to you. They're not likely to find in your favour. Speak No Evil, the Dark Shadows release, is out this month. So uh, that's that's got Arthur Darville in it. From, yes. from off of TV's Doctor Who. And he is such a lovely man. I wasn't there at the recording, of course, but uh, he, he is delightful. I wish some more people would slam some doors outside our office. I know, office. it just doesn't happen often enough. I know, it, and I'm really going to slam a door just to yeah. make yeah, it sound yeah, a bit better. Fine, it's much better now I feel at home. It's Totally sorted. Or it's but either it's, that or go out there and shoot some of them <laughs> with one of those plastic guns you gave me today for yeah, my son. That's a good idea. Water pistol it? fight. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. So, uh, yes, um, our s- the second appearance in Big Finish Productions for Arthur Darville after we did a Benny. Yeah. Becoming quite a regular. Let's get him in everything. Yeah, let's, let's uh, cast him as the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'll that, throw it? people out, won't it? They won't know what to do. At the Asylum of the Dalek screening, Clang, uh, <laughs> he and Karen were taking the mickey out of Matt something rotten because everyone else was sitting down with these microphones on stands in front of them when they're being interviewed. And it's at the BFI, and they've done this sort of things, thing a million times before, so it all works beautifully. <clears throat> but Matt got it into his head that he couldn't be heard by the microphone unless he was talking into it like this. <laughs> So it must have been giving their sound men a terrible problem. <laughs> and eventually, they, both, Arthur and Karen said, what? why are you doing that? And Because he, he was leaning forward. So eventually he picked it up on its stand and sat it in his lap and spoke into it like that. And then they started taking the mickey out of him. And they'd just been asking him whether he missed the two of them because they're leaving the series, you know. And he said, do you actually know? No, I'm, <laughs> it's this, this kind of thing I don't miss at all. And, it, and, and even Stephen Moffat saying, look, look, we're sitting back here and the microphone is still picking us up. He just couldn't get... And it's, it's beautiful how eccentric Matt can be. And you think, yeah, there's the doctor right there. He lives in his own little universe. He was massively entertaining. And Arthur was so funny about it. Even though a couple of the kids, um, when they mentioned Arthur, they said, this is a question for Matt, Karen and 
uh, <laughs> Arthur, and he just stared at them. <laughs> Stephen Moffat said, and that's how you'll officially be known from now on, uh, Arthur. <laughs> Very unfair. He also It was also revealed by Matt that Steve had said to Karen before the screening, as they were sitting there talking about her career after Doctor Who, he said, so, Karen, how is the long, inevitable decline? <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really harsh and hopefully not true. Anyway. So, speaking of evil, featuring right. Arthur Darville playing uh, Tad, a character from the classic Dark Shadow series who is now grown up and has grown into Arthur Darville oh. uh, and has a terrifying circus in it. Well, that's always going to be scary, isn't it? Yep, yeah, on audio, in visual, doesn't matter, it's still scary. Scary it's a circus. circus. Should yeah. we have a clip from that? Yeah. Care to take in a show this evening, sir? They'll be singing and dancing later if you fancy it. Will there now? How delightful. Show starts just after sundown. I'm Marie, by the way. Marie Olsen. Better known to most as... The tattooed lady. What gave it away? Oh, I'm very observant. How did you, uh, come by all of them? How do you think? Needles and ink. One for every state I've ever visited. What about you? <laughs> Sorry. What about me? Well, do you have any? Me? No, don't be absurd. Only... You can't stop staring. Can't or won't. It's funny. Some of them seem, uh, familiar. Really? Which? Does it matter? People say they see things in the pictures. They think the pictures tell the story of their lives. <laughs> where they were born. Where they grew up. How they'll die. Only no one gets to see that bit. Why not? Because they don't get to know me well enough, that's why. No? No. How about if I paid you? After all, that is what you're here for, isn't it? To be looked at. Not like that, sir. Some things are private. Personal. Then let me be the first. There we are, Arthur Darville, in Dark Shadows. You're right there. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh dear, I'm still awake. It's okay. And also... Blake 7, The Liberated Chronicles, Volume 2. Uh, oh, that's 50p for use of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, come on, tell me tell me about we've it. We've got a good lineup. We've got um, Callie and Avon oh. and Blake. And we've got Beth Chalmers playing a, a new character called Leanne. And we've got Callie again and Servalan and Anthony Howe back as Nyron, who's a bit of a continuing character. Yes, who got introduced in the first series didn't he? He did, he did and he will be back for more. Um, so is this another box set? It's another box set of three stories um, and I'm really really pleased with it actually I, th I think it's interesting actually the first box set I, I was very happy with um, the second one I think we've started to, to learn how to experiment a bit more make it a fuller sound so more mm. interactive more dialogue oh, brilliant. Um, so I think uh, yeah it's, 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 uh, it's certainly going down very well um, and some lovely scripts by Simon Guerrier, um, Eddie Robson, and Nigel Fares. Brilliant. So I don't really know what to have a clip from because they're all my favourites. Shall I just choose something? I think you should have a bit featuring Servalan because she's not been in the previous one. Okay, then. Here we go. Here's Servalan. a clip from Wolf with Servalan. Get us out of here, pilot! Now! Maximum power! I said maximum power, pilot. Faster. Pilot. 
When I was a child, long before I even knew what the Federation was, I played a game with my so-called friends. Ram, Petra, Finn, Sean. 16, We called it Find the Wolf. 19. One hunter, 20, usually the weakest. 21. One wolf. 22. Three saboteurs. 23. 24. 25. 25. 26. Pilot! Pilot! Liberator, I'm on board. Put this on. Now. And we've got another big release from this month as well, which isn't out yet, but it will be. Might be by the time this podcast goes Might out. Be. I how long it takes to edit it. Oh, <laughs> I can't cope with the time delay. Um, Iris Wild Time, box set number... 52. Three? Well, <laughs> three. two. <laughs> two, sort of. Oh, yes, yeah, second box set, but series three. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, just to confuse people. So... Paul Sprague, tell us all about Iris. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was listening. To, I was listening to bits of Iris Wild Time actually while I was uh, uploading the files to oh. the Observer. It's, it's to good the fun. Observer, to the server, <laughs> the server. The observer. Stuart Bevan's in it, isn't he? Back to working I, with Katie Manning for the first time since the Green Death. I'm not sure that's true. Actually, I'm sure they've worked together lots, but certainly it was quite. Well, they married or he something. He is definitely in it though. That was Cliff Jones. That was in Doctor oh, Who on the telly. Oh, right. but have you got confused with fantasy and reality? Yeah, but yeah. didn't they have a relationship? I don't know. This is not the time or place <laughs> to discuss it. <laughs> the looks David's giving me. <laughs> For legal- Listen, I'm the man with Katie Manning's glasses on my desk <laughs> because she just left them there a year ago and it's still bumping into things because she hasn't got them. <laughs> and and uh, oh, there she goes again, <laughs> trying to get in through the door. And also she graffitied my desk, so I can oh, say anything. Just not let this no, go, well, I can say anything about Katie Manning I like. She's a, she's a menace to society, that's what I say. <laughs> and, uh, no, you can't, Katie, no, you can't come in, Katie. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's done two glorious things recently. The first was I phoned her up. Uh, have you heard this story? Uh, no. I phoned her up and her voice was very, very distant, going, Hello, hello there, <laughs> David. I was, going, I was going, Yes, Katie, Katie, are you watching? Yes, I'm okay. I've just super glued my iPhone to the kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> so she was having to speak. What? <laughs> I don't know. How did you accidentally do know. that? I, I mean, I bet she didn't say accidentally. Perhaps she I don't just. Know. Her latest Twitter, her latest tweets this week was that she she managed to drop a jelly out of the kitchen window that had landed on somebody below. How do you accidentally drop your just jelly had out? Had to of accidentally it? hold it out of the window and shake it out of the. That's just crazy. In fact, yeah. That that is that yeah. is genius, is what it that is. is. Genius. That, that, well. that, that takes some real work. <laughs> Katie, thank you for brightening up this podcast. <laughs> We've all gone a bit manic talking about you. Anyway, for uh, for more of the of the Katie Manning brand of madness, you can yes. listen to Iris Wild Time. Yes, we better have a clip of that. Yeah, we should put in a clip. Do you want to put in a clip here? Yes, let's shoehorn it in. Iris, Iris, what the devil kidneys is going on? Need to make sure. Make sure of what? 
we haven't been followed. Oh, you mean by the gargantuan warship that chased us from New Nexia? The gargantuan warship that was bristling with weapons? The gargantuan warship that happened to know your name? Oh, don't be daft. No, that wasn't a warship. Oh, well, that's a relief. It was a Monstrum Time Destroyer. Oh, good. That sounds much nicer. It's not nice, Panda. Not one little bit. The Monstrums are a nasty bunch of chrononauts from the end of time itself. Oh, I thought the Clockworks Council had trapped them in a pocket reality millennia ago. And what do these Monstrums want with you? What did you do to them? No need to take that tone, Chuck. I have no idea what they want. I didn't want to hang around to find out. You should also say, actually, that for those people wondering who sent in their, their questions to be replied to by Auntie Iris, um, the, the questions are replied to in the new issue of Vortex, which, hey. is, which is available now. That's good. Oh, talking of questions, should we just have a couple of emails from listeners? Yeah, if you like. Okay. Let me just uh, quickly switch back. Uh, Robert Konigsberg says, just listen to the last podcast. You know that guy who wrote in to tell you all how great you are and what a good job you're doing? I don't agree with him. I agree with him. Oh. So you, you're, you're panicking for a second. There, I was. You, I you we thought I'd picked one of those emails again. I thought again. we were going to get it in the neck then, yeah. yeah. And boy, I couldn't believe the long explanation you had about all the problems with your website. I recognise <laughs> the need to talk to your customers, but wow, you guys are dedicated. Uh, anyway, here's yes, a thought. we can't believe it either. <laughs> Anyway, here's a thought. I tend to listen to the podcasts, and that's typically where I get news about sales. Okay. And you've suggested that you use all avenues for announcing them. Yes. I might suggest email. I realise it's not a simple thing to implement, but I personally will be happy to receive a copy of every news item as an email in my inbox. Mm. That way I don't have to go check Twitter, Facebook, what have you. I always check email. Well, that's me. Don't bother implementing it if you think it's hard, but I wanted to pass it along to you. No, it's a really good idea, and it is something that we're looking into. We're just checking all the finer details with that, are we not? Not. and we've got some great designs for newsletters that could go to people um, yeah, yeah it's it's finding that um, gap between how you know how often it is to annoy people and how often it is to just pass on and that will vary from person to person yeah. I'm just having some water excuse me. right I'll, I'll to be fair Sprague you've never worried about annoying people in the past so. I know but I've, I've decided to start <laughs> well that's brilliant I think he's turned over a new leaf <laughs> <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first oh I'm going to become an altogether re- more relaxed person once I've moved house. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, our heart does go out to you, but not enough to actually help. No, okay, um, so w- give us one more and then we'll move on. Uh, Cassie Parks says, hello, lovely people. Hello. Hello. I like the way you've just both marketed yourselves as lovely people. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just been resolutely silent there. Hello. I just wanted to let you know that you shouldn't worry about how frequently you get the podcasts out. Honestly, it'd be no fun if you're doing podcasts where you're weeping about how many other things you have to do apart from podcasting. <laughs> By then, right. <laughs> In other words, we annoyed them last time. That's, that's, that's what that is. That's so carry on being there. awesome and don't worry. As much as we all love the podcast, we'd prefer a good quality monthly one than a fuzzy daily one. Carry on being awesome. Okay. Cassie, P.S. I know I may get a virtual slap for asking this. Wait for it. Wait for it. She may not. Okay, sorry. I take that back. But will you be doing another writer's opportunity soon? No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hang on. This is the voice of Alan Barnes. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
It's, we will do one day. We haven't got any immediate plans, but that is something I do want to do. We did do one for Blake 7. That's true. We did, which Zanna is currently um, going through all the entries. Uh, I had one of the entrants come up to me in Indianapolis saying, how's it going? Have I won? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. He he had long hair. I can't remember his name now. Isn't that awful? I've got his card somewhere. Quick, oh, him. Oh, dear. He was working with Cubicle 7, the role, the Doctor Who role game, play game people. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Good. Well, that was that was easily your best anecdote today. Thank you. I better I better bolster it up with a clip of something. Uh, here's here's a little clip of uh, uh, some of the stuff that happened to uh, Jason Hagelery and my good self, not my bad self. I left him behind when we went to Indianapolis for Gen Con. I've no idea what I'm gonna, but I put together here. But I recorded some stuff. Be warned, it may not be interesting. seven o'clock in the morning uh, Jason Hay hasn't got up yet I'm waiting for him outside the hotel we're about to go to a convention called Gen Con which apparently is one of the biggest gaming conventions in the world people come from all over they're expecting a hundred thousand people we didn't know that we thought there'd be about five thousand people this is going to be quite scary and apparently quite a lot of them like Doctor Who so yeah so where's Jason Jason Hay Gallery. Always late. I would just mention that um, we spent over 14 hours travelling on planes yesterday. We flew over to JFK in New York and then had to wait for a connection on a plane that was uh, startlingly small. Um, that was quite scary. I think it seated less than... Uh, or should I say fewer than uh, 50 people and uh, we hit a thunderstorm uh, while I was in the loo actually and so I was being thrown around all over the place there goes a literally an American helicopter um, and then when we arrived at uh, Indianapolis Airport you can tell I'm jet-lagged can't you um, the uh, the lightning storm was so bad that we were left out on the runway because they um, wouldn't as they said open the ramp because of lightning so we had to just sit on the runway and risk being hit by lightning for I think it was about 45 minutes doing nothing in a very small plane yes anyway when we got to uh, who North America uh, with Janie and Keith who run it who, who sell big finished CDs and millions of other things related to Doctor Who uh, we were welcomed with open arms and uh, met a lot of uh, people who love Doctor Who and not being finished so we're hoping to meet some more of those today I can't believe I'm actually managing to string some sentences together perhaps I'm not you can be the judge of that take care your actions don't displease beg not for mercy on bended knees deaf ears cannot for your pleas they all go down to Davy Jones all go down to Davy Jones all go down to Davy Jones hello I'm Jenny Bradbury and I'm with Who North America and we are very excited to have Nicholas Briggs <laughs> and Jason High Allery with us this this weekend. Well that says it all really doesn't it? How many people are you expecting at the convention? Over a hundred to a hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Hagelery is late getting up. 
That's about the size of it, isn't it? I thought we were meeting at uh, 7, but it's clearly 7.15, was it? I was driving before. Yeah, see? Honestly. It's like getting up at I could five, have had 15 five. minutes extra in bed. <laughs> Shall we give him a... I've, I sent him a text oh. saying, where are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. This will all be fascinating on the podcast, I hope you realise. Oh. I, I happen to know he's in room one, two, three. So, um, let's just see. What number's this? Oh. One, two, one, one, two. Uh, this could be embarrassing. I might get the... One, two, two, one, two, three. Hello, Jason, it's Nick. You're late. Three minutes. Two minutes. Because uh, we went to meet at uh, seven. And it's now, oh, 17 minutes past. God. And, and you're on the Big Finish podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm recording this. Oh. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll go back to the car and report your tardiness. Any observations to make, Jason? It's bloody huge. Um, yes, it's, it's amazing. Um, this is only one hall where we are at the moment. Well, that's true, and this yeah. is as big as an airport. Yeah, I mean, this is... I remember, you know, when I was at school and we used to play uh, basketball or, or, or something like that, or football in school hall, that seemed big. And you probably would get 20 school halls in here. Oh, easily, yes. Yeah, it's massive. And, and this it's is just, just one of the rooms, isn't it? It's just this one of the rooms. It's wall to wall. There's 100,000 people here this yeah. weekend. And, um, and people are coming up to us and uh, who've never heard of Big Finish before, never heard of the audio series, love Doctor Who and giving it a go, which is great. But also people are coming up to us um, who have heard of what we've been doing but never found us before, yeah. which is also great. So they finally know how to get in touch with us, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's very tiring because you're constantly talking to people about what we do. But it's very rewarding because there's so much enthusiasm for what yeah. we're doing. It's difficult to start with to gauge how much they know, isn't it? Yeah, really, you, you know? have to play it by ear because you, they go, oh, I know that, I know that. I know, or they go, I've never heard of that. Yeah. You know. Hello. Hello. So they said uh, that you guys would sign my poster. I think that we'd be yeah. delighted. Yeah. That poster there with Tom Baker on it. Hello. It's a poster with Tom Baker on it. Yeah. Have you heard of the audio adventures? No, I haven't. Oh. oh. Well, so this poster tells you. Kind of an your actions don't displease beg not for mercy on bended knees deaf ears cannot for your pleas they all go down to Davy Jones all go down to Davy Jones all go down to Davy and the music for that Gen Con section of the podcast was provided by Water Street Bridge from their album Hard Times they gave me the album and said we could use it on the podcast, which is very nice about them. You can find out more about Water Street Bridge at www.waterstreetbridge.com. You can buy their music. It's brilliant. There was a point where I had a bit of a Dalek face-off with them, where the Dalek was shouting for them to be silent, and they just carried on playing. It was quite amusing, but we didn't record it. Anyway, yes, this is Water Street Bridge. Well, there you are. That was us at Gen Con. Just a, just a little snippet there. And My the, God, that was pure filth. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, there may be some more of that over the month because I would just explain now that we are going to be recording four podcasts here. I know it sound, it feels like we've already recorded about 20. Oh, look, there's Jamie over by the window there <laughs> in her flat. Hello. Is that we've, her or is she the one above? We've we've warned you about this. <laughs> if, if, if you're going to stare wistfully at people, can you at least make sure it's the right person and not just yeah. random strangers yes. who you like the look of? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Will Hazel, who was in Robophobia, it's his girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes it better or no, worse. No, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I have asked them and they said it was all right. Like, <laughs> I've been spying on them during podcasts. Anyway, okay. Um, I just want to mention now that uh, when is Unit Dominion coming up? October. October. That is a box set featuring the seventh Doctor, another Doctor and unit and all sorts of crazy stuff we haven't told you much about this yet uh is the the more the, secrets the artwork for the covers out now isn't it is yeah, that on it the is. Site? yeah so you've maybe intrigued by that mm. and here is uh, and also there's a trailer with klein oh, of course klein is one of the most important things in it as well mm. uh with there's a trailer with klein talking rather mysteriously on it but here is the first clip of What's going on in Unit Dominion? Doctor Klein, come in. Over. Ah, Colonel. Ah, yes. Um, is the doctor with you? Over. He's here, and he doesn't know what our new visitor is either. Over. I've diverted my car since this thing is now hovering over Camden Lock. Have Sergeant Wilson arrange a chopper to bring him, you, and the doctor from the Excalibur Building to NW1. Over. On it now. Wait a minute, Dr. Klein, hand me that radio. You forgot the magic word. Oh, please and thank you. Colonel Lafayette, never mind this new creature. I need to make a thorough examination of the object we managed to shriek in my TARDIS. Doctor, your TARDIS has been transferred to a secure facility. What? This giant object poses a clear and present danger. You are holding my TARDIS illegally. Dr. Klein is highly skilled and perfectly capable of dealing with this situation. Now, return my TARDIS. More, more about Unit Dominion uh, in a future though? podcast this month, but David wants to add something. Having heard episode one, yes. the edit of episode one, I thought Alex McQueen was amazing. Yes, he He's is. Just, just, I mean, everybody's great in it, but yes. I mean, Alex is just so surprising, isn't he? Yeah, it's surprising is definitely the word. There are lots of surprises <laughs> in his uh, performance, <laughs> yes, uh, some of which you may have heard in that clip. Uh, right, um, it's been a, a rough time um, for people involved with Doctor Who because, uh, in recent years, because so many people who we admire, uh, who've been in the series, have sadly died. And most recently, uh, Mary Tam and Caroline John uh, passed away. Uh, uh, David, did you want to talk about, because you've worked with them both, as have I. I yeah. I could just I maybe mean, say a few words about them. I worked with both of them recently, actually. Yes. I mean, that's the... The big blow was uh, Carrie we'd worked with in January and recorded the last post. Um, and, I mean, Carrie knew she was ill um, and she told us she was ill. Um, and it, it was, it, I don't know, it, we were a bit uncomfortable about the script, actually, because the script was a little bit morbid in tone. I mean, mm. it was, it's about death and people dying. Um, but Carrie loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. She loved working with Rowena Cooper, who plays Eliza's mum in it. Um, and 
there was just a really happy feeling in the studio. Carrie sent me an email saying that she'd, she'd loved it so much we wanted to plan another, so we'd got a, a sequel planned, which James Gloss was, Goss was going to write. It was storylined and it was all going ahead, and then we got the awful news that she'd passed away. So, uh, yeah, it was very sad. And, you know, I didn't know whether we should even release it this year, actually. Um, I wondered whether we should hold it back till yes, next year. Yes. But, um, um, I mean, thank you to Jeffrey Beavers who just said, no, go ahead and release it. That's what Carrie would have wanted. Yeah. So uh, that's coming out in. I mean, I don't want to plug it. I don't want to plug it, but, um, you know, it's. There was a thought process going on to whether we should release it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Mm. It's a very, very sad time. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I, I, the memory of her always just makes me smile um, because uh, when I first worked with her, it was in a a, a video years ago uh, um, called Breach of the Peace and it was involving the police and she was the detective chief inspector and I was her sergeant or something and, and uh, so we had loads of scenes together and we we giggled an awful lot you know mm. and she was just so lovely and so generous she's very normal actually which I, yes. I, I thought was lovely about Carrie was that um, she was just she'd come along she was interested in people she'd spend quite a bit of her time in the studio tidying up and doing the washing up I mean I could never tear her away from the sink yes yeah um, she's a proper mum yeah she was, a, she was a, but she was everybody's mum well, yes you know, it's a role that she, I think she she loved being a mum to her kids and I have to say I mean I went to the funeral and I just totally fell in love with the whole Beavers family I mean mm. the, the, the three kids well, as well. Jeff no, lovely yeah, guy. The, the whole family were just so lovely and just so so, you know, nice. It was just. Really well, I pleasure. regretted not being able to make it. I really did. I just couldn't go because I was yeah. directing something for Big Finish. And, yeah. um, and then there was uh, Mary, who, yes. who we had known was ill, but she was so positive and so uh, definite that she wanted to do the Tom mm. Baker stories. She drove them through, really, didn't yes, she? Yes, she did. And she was. Um, uh, tremendous in all of them and I mean really good and and so supportive of the scripts always had an opinion always mm. let us know which one she liked the most mm. or what she liked about it and she would come in with and and you know I, I met Mary uh, doing the Mythmakers interviews years ago and she was delightful right from the word go I mean I can't believe it she must have I can't remember how old she would have been when when I met her but the person directing the Mythmakers, David Howe, had this mad idea because she'd played Alice in Wonderland. He dressed, he got her to wear an Alice in Wonderland costume. I had to dress up as a, a rabbit, which I was ripped about in, in Indianapolis this, this weekend. Uh, and uh, she did all this running around in an Alice in Wonderland costume. And she was tremendous because she, she took me to one side before the recording. She said, right, and she told me the terrible truth about everything to do with Doctor Who and then she said and I'm not saying any of that on camera alright I just wanted you to know the horrible truth no I mean there wasn't a horrible horrible truth but she was very very funny about it and, yeah. and ever since then we'd always got on and, and it was lovely to work with her uh, on these these latest ones and yeah. just but it's just interesting so a lot, a lot of people have read lots of obituaries and comments about her online and everybody said that she, you know, she was such a lady I just think, I don't, what I found interesting is, yeah, that was a part of her character, but she was so down to earth. And, <laughs> yes, and, and some. Yes. Know, and that laugh of hers, which, yeah. 
was a really sort of naughty laugh, wasn't yes. it? I mean, we've got <laughs> yes. lots of studio outtakes of her laughing. Um, and just on the basis of just being friendly with her, I mean, uh, I, I I wouldn't call her a friend because I think uh, uh, you define someone as a friend, I suppose, if you feel you could phone them up any time about anything. But, you know, uh, working with her, we, uh, you know, I felt like a close colleague of her and hers. And we all we did discuss personal things quite a lot because there was some overlap in our lives about people we knew who'd been important to both of us. Let's let's just put it that way. Mm. So uh, I treasure those moments where we had very frank and open hmm. conversations, always with a little tinge of humour on there as well. Yeah. I just but again, yeah. just another a very real person who cared about other people. Yeah, you know, I think that's testament both to Carrie and Mary that they were both absolutely I know and you can't say anything new about losing people I just wanted to keep saying it just seems so unfair Mm. Um, but I think what I miss them what what is lovely for both of them is that they despite their illnesses they really drove onwards to leave something for Doctor Who fans that's true they they both left something special I think so very sad I should actually read out this email we've got from um, Ben Kalanikos, who's written in a few times, who says, um, I'm so devastated to hear the death of Mary Tam. She was my father's favourite Romana. Ah, Mary brought so much joy in Doctor Who and Big Finish. She will never be forgotten, and it was a very big shock, like the passing of Elizabeth Slayton. Please play play a clip of the Companion Chronicle Feral's Folly as a little tribute. Oh, well, since he asked, that's what we'll do. And... um, and that, that'll be it for this podcast. So thanks for listening. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And from me. And here's Mary Tam. It's impossible to tiptoe in Wellington boots. I struggled in mine as we fled from the observatory. At ground level, the statues I'd seen from the ledge above seemed even more bizarre. The grassy area was dotted with them, each a stylized figure fashioned from flat planes of steel twisted into abstract representations of people, birds, and spiders. We circled the observatory towards where the TARDIS had fallen. Come on, Romana, called the doctor. I shall be glad to get the tracer, get the segment, and get out of here. Oh. The TARDIS had dropped onto the lawn. Its doors were pressed flat against the grass. There was no way back in. But more disconcerting was the crowd of statues whose stylized limbs curled and knotted together over the TARDIS. Doctor, it's as though someone twisted them into place after the TARDIS fell. He tugged at one experimentally. It's fixed fast, he said. I pondered the situation. Can't we get K-9 to rematerialize the TARDIS somewhere else? The last thing I said to him was stay, said the Doctor. You know how literal he is. And my dog whistle is back in the observatory. It flew through the air into Lady Ferrell's hand. Doctor, how did she do that? A powerful electromagnet, maybe? Metal hands, said the Doctor darkly. He kicked in frustration at the nearest statue. I wonder if these are her work. (laughs) I bet you're glad she didn't shake your hand, Doctor. Yes, he replied. I imagine she has quite a firm grip on everything. I recognise the type. Classic narcissistic personality disorder, I told him. Perhaps she has, said the doctor. I smiled sweetly at him. I wasn't talking about her. The doctor crammed his hat onto his head. Romana, we need to prize the TARDIS free. 
I wonder if we can commandeer a digger from the village. That professor mentioned building work. I pointed across the expanse of lawn to a small group of sagging outbuildings. Perhaps there are tools in that old barn. You try there. I'll look in the village. Watch out for the gamekeeper. I told him I'd no idea what he was talking about. Man with a gun, shooting at foxes and badgers, he explained. Foxes and badgers? I asked. Local fauna. They won't harm you, so off you go. And with that, he loped off in the direction of the boundary wall. I took my own route towards the barn, squelching across the soggy lawn in a path that took me around another pair of statues. When I got closer, I saw it wasn't a pair. It was a single statue with a dead body trapped within it. (gasps) The victim's face was frozen in fear and surprise. His stained sackcloth bag contained some kind of trap, presumably for catching animals. But it was the man who'd been snared. His fading corduroy jacket and shabby shirt were stained red with blood where the statue's sharp limbs had pierced him. It couldn't be an accident. It was as though the statue had seized the man and its spikes had grown through him. However, I had no time to worry about this further. A clattering noise announced the arrival of a group of knights in armour who swiftly surrounded me. How rude of you to run off like that, Romana. We hardly had time to talk. I was surprised to hear Lady Ferrell's voice, muffled behind the knight's visor. I wasn't sure I could outrun my captors while in these stupid, heavy boots. I tried not to show my fear. What do you want with me? I think you can help Professor Urpik. What if I tell you that I don't want to help him? What if I tell you this isn't a request? There were two of you. Where's the doctor? Oh, he went ahead. I couldn't keep up in these boots. 